welcome to episode two of Fake Players, Real Losers, the USBA podcast. I'm Kerry, GM of the Buckhead Bowties, with TJ, uh, GM of the Toledo Titans. TJ, good to have you. Good to be on again. It's going to be a great show today. It's going to be a great show. Uh, we are almost halfway. We are 47, 108 through the season. It doesn't reduce. We're creeping up on halfway. Uh, we do have a great show. We're gonna do a little bit of a, we're gonna do a little bit of ML talk, leading into a little SL talk, and finally finishing up with some PL talk. So if that's what you're interested in, skip to those different sections. But we're I would gonna say though, if I were you, yeah, absolutely great show. Um, we're gonna start with one of the unique features of the USBA, the cup. The multiple cups start off with the World Cup-style groupings. Um, why don't you give us a rundown of who moved on? So, in our games in the Champions Cup or the USBA Cup, we have Detroit playing Boston, Phoenix-Grafton, which is a good mid-table Premier League clash, Lone Star at Brooklyn, good luck with that, um, Louisville against Richardson City, which could be an upset in the making, Lexington against the Gold Sox, which is a pretty even matchup, Columbus, California, should be Cali all the way. New Amsterdam, Buckhead, which I want to talk about a little more. That looks like a pretty even matchup. And then Philadelphia, 1776, against the Chicago Hawks, who made their run all the way to the Americana Cup final last year. Yeah, interesting. Some some, some overall cup stats. Uh, we had all 10 Premier League teams in um, the Upper Cup there, the USBA Cup. Um we are guaranteed to have a lower division team in the lead eight, at least, with uh, the Chicago Hawks getting paired up with Philly. Doesn't look like this year that an ML team can make a run all the way to the finals. You know, this is the year that it would be probably the most difficult. Um, we have. I think Richardson City, the teams that are in here from the ML, Richardson City, Chicago, and Lone Star. I think maybe Richardson City could do it. I don't know about the Hawks. Well, we see Richardson City was able to sweep Lexington. Now Lexington's a bottom table PL club. Um, but really, anything can happen over that three-game set. Yeah, exactly. We've seen Thunder Bay, the famous Thunderstruck run, um, and uh, the run last year. So, by yeah, by Oakland getting all the way to the championship game, but with with the field so deep with Premier League clubs, um, you would really think that this would be the toughest year for an ML club to uh, to make the trip to the finals. Yeah. I definitely think the group system this year did what it intended to do, which was to give the Premier League teams an easier shot to get to the actual cup. But it also gave the uh, the lower teams the chance to upset, which I think a ten to six ratio on upper on Premier League teams to lower division teams is pretty good. Yeah, I think that's about right. And uh, ideally, it'd be like eight to eight. But this was this was also the first year. One slight change: uh, the first round was seeded, uh, World Cup style, where the ones are playing twos. I actually like that personally. I'll- I like that. I like that for the round of sixteen, and then yeah, I think a random draw after that's good. But I like it because it gives you it gives you a chance to you want to win the groups, you can play an easier team. It definitely incentivizes that. There's also the monetary benefits. Winning the group, you pick up three million. 
uh, finishing second is one million. If you think about it, that, that buys you in the Premier League. That buys you about um, a league average player. Uh, and in the SL and the ML, three million can buy you an impact player. Exactly. And just good now with the uh, the cash, freedom, and flexibility. Um, opens it up for you to do some different things. So. Okay, Kerry. I want you to pick each of these games. All right. As soon as I say them. Off the top of your head. Okay. Detroit, Brooklyn. Uh, Bro- Detroit, Boston. Detroit, Boston. We're going Boston. Phoenix, Grafton. <sighs> Grafton. Lone Star, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Louisville, Richardson City. Richardson City. That's my upset. That's my uh, That's my 15-2. The dance of Cinderella. Lexington, Chicago. Chicago. Uh, Columbus, California. Cali. New Amsterdam, Buckhead. I think it goes three, but I think I take it. Although Philadelphia and the Chicago Hawks. Um, I cut you off there. I think but, I think Philly takes that. Um, although quickly on my series, I think that uh, it's going to go three. And I think Steve Ingram will probably hit six home runs during Steve that. Steve Ingram is a boss. Yeah, just I don't know where he came from. I don't know if he drafted him or signed him as a free agent, but he he's a monster. He sure is. Um, all right, we'll be back with ML Talk. PRL, we're doing some ML Talk here. We have Imran, manager of the Richardson City Club. Uh, just moved from snowy Montreal down to sunny Texas. Imran, good to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Brian. Uh, TJ, TJ is going to run down the ML table here, and then we're going to get into uh, just talk to Imran a little bit. Well, the ML a place I'm very familiar with um, starts out with the Wizarding AC Ravenclaws coming out of nowhere. They've been 8-2 in the last 10. They're 27-18, one game up on Thunder Bay, who's been up there pretty much all year. They're a game up on Oakland, which has come out of nowhere as well. Their offense has just been incredible. Following them is Richardson City. Then you have the SC Storm, Chicago Hawks, Lone Star, Capital District, Jacksonville, all in that big group in the middle. They're all about three. The last team, Jacksonville, is only three games back from the fifth-place team, the SC Storm. Then at the bottom, you have Houston, Kansas City, and then Panama City, which is wrapping up its third or fourth year at the bottom of the ML table. But they got a manager. They, they, they do. almost swept. They almost swept Thunder Bay today. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they dominated. Like, Thunder Bay came back in the last final game of the ninth inning. That's how they got the one game. So Imran, you 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 found your club in uh, in the ML after a tough relegation series loss to Atlanta last year. Um, although I'm sure it was a tough tough loss for you. It was to Orlando City. Sorry, Orlando. Or, sorry, Orlando. Um, maybe maybe it may be the best thing for your club um, overall. So what what have you found, I guess, as you went down to the ML? Um, what are some things that you're seeing down there that maybe people might be missing that are just tuning in for, uh, to watch the PL Sim? Well, um, 
up a guy in free agency called Julio Moran, and he was a player in the PL, and he's been just lights out the second baseman, and that was a huge hole for me because I had to let Peter Davidson go. And he's only making two million thing, a year. Yeah, three fifty-eight. Uh, yeah, and he's got a nine contact rating in the Civil League. That. And now that that's huge, and that's where you being an active manager can really clean up in the ML, um, just because the bar is lower for these players to yeah. to cross. And I feel like I can develop my players faster because, I mean, when they're called up, it's against lesser competition, and you know I can push them harder. And then, therefore, by my plan is within two years to be in the Silver League. At least be mid table in the Silver League. So if I develop my young players like Eller, they're ready to go in the Silver League. I don't want to get come back here again, you know? Yeah, that was how I felt. (laughs) (laughs) Once you leave, yeah, you really don't want to uh, backslide on that. Um, But, you know, like like you said, um, in the ML, you have a plan. And that's something that hasn't always been true. We really have a good quality group of managers um, at that level now where um, you'll see some better trades. Um, you could possibly see some loans. And um, the double the double promotion um, has been done twice. Isn't impossible. We've seen teams get up out of um, get up out of the ML, and there's no reason why uh, the Thundercats can't be that club going forward. And, and, and in terms of the standing, it's going to be a revolving door. In the top five, it's just going to be because it's Menards League shenanigans. <laughs> exactly, exactly. In, in, and then one thing I really do like about the ML is it has just a little bit different twist, allowing the top five to get in the playoffs. Uh, you can really see a team slide in there, slide up to the SL that may not even exactly be exactly what Norfolk did. May not even be a quality club. Exa- exactly right. Right. They upset Oakland, who gave me a run for my money last year. They up, the number fun fact: the number two seed or the second place team has been upset two out of the three years, I think, in the first round of the playoffs by the f- number five club. Well, that's interesting. Well, all the time, yeah. I was upset by the Chicago Hawks in 2016, and last year, Oakland got beat by Norfolk, who ended up winning the promotion playoffs. So it happens all the time. You just got to slide in there. You just need to take it to the dance, and especially if you're a club with some younger players, and you run your budget real low, and happen to hit the lottery ticket that is the ML playoffs, um, you can really do some things. And- yeah, that's my plan, too, is to keep the budget low. Like, I'm projected after next year to only have $20 million, and so that will give me a good amount wow. of work. Yeah. And that that includes Eller's huge extension I just signed. I just signed him 10 years, $41 million. Get it out of the way. And it might be too early. It might be a little risky, but it doesn't affect me for a year or so. The only thing I can see going wrong with Eller is him striking out a lot, but that hasn't happened yet, and he's already been up for no. a couple couple sims. He's been tearing it yeah. up. Yeah, because his power is so dangerous, they try not to give him pitches to hit, I guess. And, and 
you talk about risk as a as an ML club, you can't be risk averse to get to the promised land. You really do have to take some gambles. Um, yeah. If if you are too conservative, you're just going to keep treading water, just getting that revolving door between um, between right. between league. I mean, that's something with with my own club that I'm struggling with is how do you establish identity in the PL and how do you make a foothold? Or is it every fourth year you go down to the SL? Um, and the same thing happens at um, at the lower divisions. <clears throat> you have to make those impact. Impact trades, impact signings um, to do some damage. And, and I'm okay with sticking around here for at least another year because, hey, I mean, I'm gonna probably gonna get a budget increase anyway, so it's gonna be what just by name you're getting promoted. But I want to keep building down here, so I'll be ready to go in the Super League. And that's and that's a great point. And I wanted to get into um, kind of what you've done with the club. This is your second season, correct? Yeah. Took over took over the Montreal Rivermen um, and moved them south and west uh, to back to baseball country. Wouldn't be the first yep. time. Wouldn't be the first time Montreal's lost their team. Um, <laughs> so if you could get into a little bit of. Um, why you moved, where the name Thundercats comes from, um, just a little bit about the uh, the club's history and your impact on it. Where is Richardson City exactly? Dallas? Richardson, I think you said? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a small suburb in Dallas. I like and... how this league has a lot of the suburbs. It's kind of <laughs> random, but Grafton is a random suburb, Buckhead's a random suburb, Richardson City's a random suburb. That's a, that's a cool name, and it fits with the dynamic of the soccerness of the league. Yeah, I like it personally. And now, are, are you? Are do you, do you currently live in Richardson City? No. Okay. Dallas, so it's like you know within the area. Right. Absolutely. Correct. Absolutely. And uh, and now moving. Yeah, so I decided to move them to Texas because we needed a brand new start, and as soon as I got in there. I just burned the whole thing down. <laughs> as we all do, as, we, as most of us do, because we want to put our stamp on everything. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I regret trading Kaufman. I would, if, if he was someone I had drafted, there's no way I'd trade him. But since he was not my property, I had no connection to him. And But, but because of that trade, every single piece that I have, uh, Eller, uh, my draft picks this year, that would not have happened if I didn't make that trade. Because I used pieces in that trade to get first-round picks. Like, uh, I got Brewer from you, and I turned him around and got two first-round picks from Atlanta. That's... And I turned that into a top-five pick. So. I think the quality over or the quantity over quality trade, which happens a lot between ML and PL teams, is a good deal for the ML clubs. It's what I did to get Neely. I gave Lone Star four really good ML players that are really going to help them. Now I in turn got one big impact guy. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you could pick up, say you pick up four, four two and a half win players, um, it's going to fill all of those holes and can really, really solidify your club. Um, That's true with SC they were they were in the cellar before that trade. Now they're in the top five conversation. They have a winning record now. Yeah. 
So uh, the next question, you, you've kind of touched on it um, as we've talked here about the table, but specifically with, with your club and your plan going forward, I know you want to um, keep the budget in check, but for those, for those of us who may, maybe, not, may, maybe not pay attention to the, uh, the ML quite as much, your club, um, what is your plan going forward? Maybe three, four, five season plan, um, a little bit of your philosophy on team building. Within two years, uh, I want to be in the SL. So I would think it would take me probably two more years to get to the Premier League. And it all depends on how good the drafts are. Because if, you can, if I cannot choose high-quality Premier League players, I, I, there's no way for me to be a Premier League quality team. Because I can't afford to outbid anybody in free agency. Nor would I want to, because... I don't think that's the way to win, unless you're California, of course. <laughs> right, and that's yeah, no, absolutely. I I I agree exactly what you said. With the 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 draft is so so important for the ML, yeah. um, because you can. That's where you're going to get your legendary <laughs> players from, um, and we've seen teams that have made quick ascents. Where if you take a if you take a even even if you take a, a college guy, um, who's pretty solid. That guy can still be playing on your team. He can start immediately, but he can also be an impact player for you in the Premier League. Um, if if you make that ascension, that's something that didn't quite happen before, but I definitely believe is a viable strategy for team building. So big, big question here. Um, before you get off, I need to know what what is your... I'll ask for just one. What, who, who's who's your ML winner this year? You could, it's, you probably could... gonna be, it's probably going to be Thunder Bay. I, I think Wizarding is overperforming right now. And I actually checked the records for both my club and Thunder Bay, and it's not very good for this month. Uh, Thunder Bay has been 13 and 11. I've been in like 11 and 12 this month. So we're both slumping. I think, I, but I think Thunder Bay is way too loaded not to. Although I would put Oakland in that conversation as well, because they're they're just that team that they're so well run. If I were to give a draft grade, I would have given Oakland an A plus for this last draft. Yeah, I, it's interesting you said that too because their manager is not active on Slack very often or ever, but they make very yeah. savvy he has moves. Some nice players. They make that very. Catcher, he was the number one one. Before they switched out, yeah, Chandler Bailey. And, He's a and stud. even in this kind of weak draft, at about fifteen and seventeen, chose a guy. I think his name is Carlos Hernandez, the second baseman, and he has like a ten eye. He has like a five contact and a ten eye, something like that. And I think that that kind of that kind of player could probably play in the Premier League because you, even if he doesn't hit for high contact, he's always going to be valuable because of his discipline. I also think something else is you're finally seeing the end of Thunder Bay's little build-up. They they were not very good in 2015 or 2016 or last year, but they got all those draft picks and they drafted well. And you're seeing the all of that come to fruition this year. And, and again, following the whole building from within system, and he's got a loaded system, so he's going to be pretty good. I think he he'll be really good in the Silver League long term too. This may be a dumb question. But what is what is Smith doing? Does he have Smith up? Smith is in three fifty right now. 
Jeez. Yeah, yeah he's, he's tearing it up. Uh, he's going to get an extension like Eller got pretty soon, I would imagine. Yeah, he's hitting 348. Yeah. 348, 380, 349. Ben, third for them. Yeah, you know what he needs to do? He needs to sign him to an extension. Just turned 22 days ago. He needs to sign him to an extension before we switch over to 16. Uh, right, here's a question for you. Okay, here's a question for you. Me and Reed were discussing this last night. Who would you rather have, Eller or Moran? <sighs> Interesting question. I think I think Moran is more balanced offensively, but I don't know if you'll ever be a decent defender. Eller could actually could actually be decent, at least above average. Uh, yeah. Power something unheard of. You're talking about the ceiling for both players. Eller can be like a 50 home run player a year. Yeah. yeah. But Moran looks a little more balanced offensively. Yeah, he might be the bigger, like he might get more wins over a replacement, but I would, personally I like power hitters, as you can tell with me getting Neely and Perez, so I like Eller, yeah. and he's German, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a cool name. <laughs> that is. Yeah, Moran, it's really interesting. It could be my scout, the deficiency with my scout, but when I'm looking at IFAs, they just, they don't give a decent glove on anyone. Um, and again, that, that's... Oh, yeah, my scout hates his defense, too. <laughs> his, Moran, Moran specifically... He has defensive ratings, but, like, position-wise, he's not very good. Yeah, and that's... really young, so might develop those, that's one of my, that's one of my biggest frustrations with OOTP is, you know, if you're talking real baseball, if you're talking MLB, there's a positional scale where the best defenders are up the middle. As you digress defensively, or as you grow out of the position physically, your shortstop moves to second, then to third, then to first. Your right. outfielders move away from the corners, but you'll see a guy who is a you know, pretty much every shortstop in the MLB would be an elite defensive third baseman, or is elite defensive third baseman. Right. But you have a guy who's a nine shortstop, and he's a three third baseman. I just really wish that they would honor that defensive scale a little bit more. Like you could literally take any MLB first baseman or shortstop and make him an incredible first baseman immediately. Um, yeah. I just kind of wish you could do a little bit more of that. Um, it just seems very random. Yeah, and the learning curve is ridiculous in terms of learning positions. Yeah. So my my question to wrap up here on Moran is, uh, is he on loan? Yeah, he's in. Yeah, he's on loan from Atlanta. That's that's what yeah, I figured. That's what I figured. Hey, starting that. Reed loves starting guys' clocks really early. He's only eighteen. <laughs> I think I think he, the loan. He just he'll he'll, that, though. he'll be eighteen. All this year. And you know what's funny is people gave him slack. He got him in that Suzuki trade and people gave him a lot of slack. Go, oh, you don't get enough, I think. Oh, he definitely won that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, be, yeah, because Ian Ian had to ear California had to eat the how much did he pay for him? Ten thousand. Yeah. It was IFA ten thousand. So you're talking 100% tax and everything over ten three. Million. Yeah, so yeah, yeah so, ten, yeah. so ten million. So you're talking about you're running that up to seventeen. A lot of money. Yeah, but it's gonna be worth it if he pans out like he looks like he will. 
Yeah, and he's locked up till. Thing is, he's only locked up to twenty eight, so he's going to sign two huge contracts. Yeah, he he's might, locked up for more than Eller is. Yeah, he might not be. And you're sixty million. <laughs> I like him. I think he'll he'll be a good player. Yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting. With, but he's that, not going to totally max out his potential, but he already has eleven gap power, and he's my age. Yeah, uh, he's a yeah. year older than me. Which is that, insane. If that if that if that discipline I my scout has a discipline at one current six potential. Yeah, the thing is yeah, Eller, and I, and I was Eller has at, a discipline at one. And he's doing yeah, fine. But they're getting blocked. They're both getting blocked somehow. Yeah. And they're just they're just putting the bat on everything. Well, Imran, appreciate you having on. Uh appreciate having you on. Come talk about the ML. And uh good luck to your Good luck, good luck to your Thundercats the rest of the season. All right, good luck to your Buckcats. <laughs> Thank you. All right, and welcome to SL Talk. We have Brett the manager of the Chicago Gold Sox, the reigning third-place champion of the Silver League, and TJ, manager of the Toledo Titans, new members of the SL. Good to have you here today. Defending ML champions. That's what I like to hear. That's right. That's right. Good to have, good to have you in the SL. Um, talk a little bit about the SL. TJ, why don't you run down the table for us? So at the top, surprisingly, we have Chicago. They're not there very often. They're two up on Toledo, 29-16, followed by AC Casey, who's just been on an absolute tear, 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. New Amsterdam in fourth, which took a hard fall. They're kind of coming back now. They were up here with Toledo and Chicago to begin with. Then you have Atlanta and Rocky Mountain, who are just kind of trending mid-table. Atlanta still trying to get back up after their devastating start. Then at the bottom, you have Philadelphia, who's 21-24. and 24. Nova is in the first relegation spot. They're 19 and 26. Hartford would be playing them right now if the season ended today in that relegation series. And then Norfolk is just 12 and 33, two and eight in their last ten. Not very good so far. So, Brad, my question is: Looking at the table, uh, where do you draw the line? Where do you think the the line falls between the teams that actually are contenders to make that top three and? Um, Teams that are just playing out the string. Um, well, I think I think Toledo's had a couple games that have just run really well for them. I think they took the most recent series from me. No, I, one of them. And I think I don't know. I see New Amsterdam running under. I think they're running under performance a little bit. I think Atlanta should be doing a little bit worse. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to say from my point of view just because I've been crushing everybody for the most part. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Norfolk is definitely supposed to be down there. Nova's pretty weak. Uh, Philly's scrappy. I, I think everyone's just about sitting where they should be with the exception of, you know, I, I just think Toledo's overperforming a little bit. But everywhere else, I think it's about, I think it's just about right. Yeah, there's there's definitely that line. I think with um, top four or five, I think I think your promoted teams are going to come out of the teams that are top four on the table right now. I just don't think Atlanta has enough to make the push. Um, 
could be, could be NA sneak in there. But even though, um, like you said, Toledo with TJ with your with your Pythagorean record, um, yeah, maybe maybe have been fortunate early. But I can't see a way that you don't stay in the top three uh, yeah. unless you face some serious injury problems. Yeah, I've definitely been lucky early. Even though the last game I had 17 hits and got six runs and lost by one, but that was a outlier. Team lives off home runs. It's pretty much all Perez and Neely that powers the entire offense. And the pitching staff is kind of sketchy, so power hitters go cold. So when that happens, I think I'll take a plunge. But I think I can definitely get at least the third spot and have a coin flip shot going into the Premier League. Yeah, and that, and that would be and that would be huge. Um, to see what you could do at the the highest level, of the USBA. Speaking of Perez, uh, I have the leaderboard page up right now. Perez is. Uh, really good candidate. If uh, if season ended today, we sent out the award ballots. I think Perez would get a lot of votes up there. Um, same with Brett, your player Ballard is definitely at the top. Um, who, who 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 do you see leading that charge? You've got Perez, and he see he's leading an average, OPS, uh, weighted on base, wins above replacement. Really doing some nice things for you in the SL. Yeah, I think it's going to be Perez just because people like home run hitters. I think he's been hitting pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people like a little more power, and uh, I just don't think Ballard's going to get it unless he goes like nuts and bats like 400. You know? So, and even the game votes, like some of the all. I think some of the like hitters for June and even the pitchers for June were a little. Well, we won't talk about pitchers, but the hitters, I think, were just favoring more power. So I think I think Perez is gonna take it down. I'd love for Perez to take it down, but if you look at the home run in the RBI right now, all year it's been between Michael Neely, my first baseman, and uh, Nate Cakes, the young shortstop slash third baseman for Atlanta. Right. And then out of nowhere came, comes David Verhove, Verhove, uh, Rocky Mountain center fielder. He's he has 19 home runs, two more than Neely. He has the lead. And 44 RBI. I don't think he keeps it up, but it's just he's been on a tear recently for Rocky Mountain, who just got a manager a couple days ago, I think. Yeah, and it looks like Verholi, his batting average of balls in play is pretty damn high. So I don't see that. I don't see him running as hot. Whereas uh, Neely's looks a little more standard. And uh, let's see, Perez. I mean, his is hot. Oh God, his is four four one one. So I think he's running harder than the sun with that. And, like, let's look at Ballard. He's running 406. So, I mean, maybe it's just because they're that good, but that's pretty high. So I don't know how sustainable that is. But, I mean, if you look at someone like John Hill, you know, who is similar to Ballard, let's see what his was. Yeah, see, he averaged 355. So that's, like, the best contact hitter, you know, thus far in the game ever. And I think you've got two people running pretty hot. So including for Holy. So maybe it goes to Neely then if he, if he spikes up a little bit because he's, he's about at 300 on his bad guys uh, falling into play average. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, what, what kills Neely is he's a first baseman, so the offensive bar to climb is really high. He's not True. a good first baseman of that either. Yeah. That, offensively. That really, that really makes it tough. I, just, I like Ballard just as a, uh, a long-time USBA man. Just the fact that he's the identical twin of John Hill, who, who is the, twenty-one years old. 
who's the most absurd player ever in USBA? I think, I think it might come down to the whole Mike Trout versus Miguel Cabrera <laughs> baseman, who has an amazing amazing traditional stack. So then you have Ballard, who's a good defender. Right. Who has and who can 30, hit. 34 stolen bases in, in yeah, that's very five games. Yeah, that's like, what? <laughs> I mean, granted, he's getting caught every 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 third stolen base, but I mean, 66, I mean, sustainable, even 50% chance to gain a base, that's pretty sick. Yeah, I'm... And he does it all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker for the up-the-middle talent. The, the fact that he plays... Um, the fact that he plays short is extremely valuable for you because there are very few. He may be the best shortstop in all of the USBA. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. He's I can't. Got some great defensive ratings. I can't think of, and I'm looking right now. Uh, Pretty much, there's him. There's Bill Chambers from Boston. There's David Martinez, who I don't. He's my shortstop. He's probably a step below them offensively, at least. Yeah, defensively, he's up there. Old uh, old Gonzalo Lopez. Just coming you up have, from tearing, tearing up the, uh, the, 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 sorry, the ML and the SL. Mad Dog Cabrera too, from Lexington. Juan Cabrera, I think his actual name is. He, he was getting PL at backs when he was like eighteen, I think. Yeah, just a lot of young, good up the middle talent in this game. Yeah, we we haven't always had that, especially from the the shortstop. Um, so the last last SL topic I want to cover is the possibility of uh, USBA first as we move on in league history. Every year we have less and less firsts, um, but they tend to mean a little bit more. Hartford, in a world of hurt, a chance to be double relegated from a club that finished second in the inaugural year of the USBA to um, possibly falling, falling all the way down to... Uh, the ML. Um, what do you think about their chances to do that? Well, formerly San, San Diego, they they actually tied they tied first in the playoffs. They got the bye and then took down uh, against Detroit in six, I think. Uh, yeah, to see them fall, I mean, they had some pretty bloated contracts. Their uh, their pitching, I mean, their staff is just miserable. I mean, even if you look straight up relative ratings for uh, you know. Like their batting's middle, middle of the middle of the park, pack, but uh, good, good lord! I mean, they've given up 284 runs in 45 games. Uh, their starter ERA 6.06, bullpen 5.3. Some very def- terrible defensive stats, ninth in the, in the league. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that's not going well for them, and they've got no money, so they can't even fix it. They've got they're in the hole 50 million in cash. And uh, and they've got the ninth payroll in the, in the in the silver league, so I think you're you're seeing the you know and I know why it happened, but it's a lot of bad contracts got offered in 2014, and out of desperation, that was still a time when uh, teams were trying to grasp players. We were still trying to see the league with free agents, so I think you're seeing the back end of that with the team just utterly plummeting to the bottom. With yeah. the only the only positive being they're going to get a bunch of first-round picks for the next couple of years. Yeah, it's really interesting you said that, too, with with the cash, and now that the, uh, the slight financial adjustment that you made at the beginning of the 2018 season uh, makes that more relevant. Uh, your decisions now follow you for several seasons in a way that they didn't quite um, do that before. Now that you opened up all the cash at hand, and that's something that you and I 
personally had been in favor of um, from the beginning. It just really it rewards better decisions. It rewards long term thinking, um, and it should. We weren't seeing teams. And again, it was a small sample, but we weren't seeing teams that offered bad contracts crushed like they should have been if things went wrong. Um, and Hartford could be the test case number one for that, and then Lexington uh, has a good Lexington chance to be test case number two for that. Um, and then California down the road could be three. Now, difference is California could take home some hardware. Um, but uh, and just to, you know, I know you know more about that specifically with the adjustments that you made. Um, but how do you Brett, how do you see that affecting the league long term? With um, instead of just having the cash that your owner says you can have, you have access to the entire financial backing of your club. Well, I think for situations like this, obviously teams like this where they take a nosedive is going to be hard for new managers to take on. It looks like Timmy's going to stick around though, which is awesome. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that, it's the yeah. fault of the guy before him who made that terrible Jesus Cantu deal and. and so on. Yeah, so I mean, there was the manager before him, and then, like I said, from when Adrian and I had, or well, you know, Adrian had him, and we, like, the backstory was we, I sat, I literally remember sitting down in my old apartment and exporting the contract extensions for all the older players from the season one. And because I was operating on two, I must not have imported when I went back to my desktop. So then, it, you know, I didn't see that that team didn't have their extensions until after they had all left. So it was like a team went from, you know, it was like just a fire sale, but on accident. So then it was a scramble to get a team together and stay up in the Premier League. And that happened for a little bit. And now you just, you're like, you're still seeing the back. But plus I'm terrible at offering contracts. So there's that. But um, as far as the cash is concerned, I mean, like I said, it's going to be hard for new teams also, it's going to be more interesting for new for new uh, players. Oh, well, if I manage my money well, I mean, I think it allows people to stretch a little bit more. But I also think that we're going to see a lot of back-end stuff in the future. Like you mentioned, California potentially down the road. Lexington with some pitchers with $20 million contracts with one stuff now. Uh, Nova it was kind of the first test case with Don Brown, but they've still done kind of okay. You know, and even me, I've got a couple bad contracts in there. I'm just fortunate enough to have a good farm team or, you know, small guys. So I, I think in a few seasons you're going to see some current teams even now that are really pushing their cash close that you're going to see them struggle. Like Atlanta, case in point, that trade that didn't go through because of budget. Granted, they've got like you know nine million in cash, so they can offer you know like seven or eight million in free agents because cash is open. But their projected budget room is like negative forty. So because fifteen still doesn't properly project out money as well as it does in sixteen, it seems you're going to run into the situation where people are going to ride that thin with a negative budget, and then they're going to pay for it in a few years. So you're going to see more teams hurt. And I, and I, I think another big part of it is going to be when you're promoted, what you do with that cash that you get yes. when you're promoted. Because yes, like me, huge. in my situation, uh, there is really there's a few good free agents this year, but nothing I really wanted to spend all my money on. So I tried to hold back. Now, if I would go from like the Silver League this year and get promoted somehow, go up to the Premier League, I would have to spend a ton of money or else I would just get destroyed. But if you manage it well, you could put yourself in great financial situations. For years to come, and then you can all push it in one time and go for it all. 
Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what Brett and I've been talking about from the beginning. It, it makes it just makes the decisions, um, the day to day decisions of running the club, even more important. Just adds to the experience, and it really it, it reflects it reflects the GM even more. Um, and you can really put your stamp on it. It's not just oh, I signed a bunch of guys, and this worked out. There are no guys to sign. So you really have to make and making those small deals and um and then having a an active GM base so new GMs aren't completely fleeced um is definitely going to be a positive all around just for maintaining competitive balance uh as well as the overall league experience. And an example of one of those small small deals is me getting uh Sherman Davis from Buckhead like a million dollars in cash and he's not going to be a good Premier League player but he was a really good ML player almost won a batting title and he's been decent for the Silver League so those are the kind of deals that you need to make in order to go up from the ML to the SL and actually be competitive right and that's where if you're an ML if you're an ML manager even SL manager to a lot of extent if you're paying attention you can really have those those guys are completely available you just need to put in the time to figure out where they're at and uh, you know that's where I think having the amount of people on Slack that we do um, will really allow those ML managers that choose to to pick up those guys because being a PL club, I had no problem giving those guys away. Just I knew that they weren't going to clear that bar to ever become an impact PL player. Exactly. Uh, so I had no problem kicking them in the curb. Like some there's some players like that in Triple A teams as well in the Premier League. I know Boston yes. has some good ML players that if the ML teams. Gave him a decent offer, which could could or could, could it could happen or could not happen. But still, there's a lot of hidden talent. For the you've also got the you've also got the trend of I think I think right after because I did a couple of big trades that took advantage of the cash situation. But you've got more cash going in trades to cover big contracts. And I mean, I I used it in two trades to get rid of two contracts that were not favorable for me. And you know, I spent forty million on, on those trades. In the long run, I'm saving money clearly. You know, and for but the the better thing is, it's still kind of a mutual beneficial thing because the other team does benefit from that player. But and I and you know they get cash, but you know maybe in the long run they get hurt or maybe they don't because the player still is fine. But you're able to use that cash now to your advantage, especially if you've planned well and saved up the fifty some million that I had saved up. Yeah, I think that that's extremely important just because um, you really do have more freedom and you're not constrained by the owner, uh, which I really like. Um, so before I get you off here, Brett, what is uh, what is your prediction for the SL table finish up? Um, Who is your one, two, and three this way? We are, let's see, 47, 108 through the season. Um, how do you see it finishing up? Um, I think Toledo will stay in second, but I think I'm going to really pull off, pull ahead. I think I think I'll have it by six or seven games, like kind of the last couple seasons have been with Louisville and then yourself. And I think that the third is going to really be a toss up between New Amsterdam and ACKC. I really don't think Atlanta is strong enough. Rocky Mountain certainly is not, and the rest of the table isn't. So it's going to be between those four teams. I think Toledo can keep it locked up. I mean, maybe New Amsterdam sneaks into second. I think they're I think they're the, the second strongest team 
I, I think agree. AC Casey. They have some. They have some really nice pitching. Ortega. A really nice deal for them. All right. He'll you, come down to it. You heard it. You heard it here first. Year of the Gold Sox. He's calling it. Brett's going to reclaim his rightful throne at the uh, bottom of the PL next season. <laughs> Brett, great for having, great having you on. Thanks, Terry. All right, and welcome back to FPRL. TJ is with me still, and we're going to finish up with a rundown of the Premier League. Take us to the table. So, 9-1 in their last game, in their last 10 games. The magic number is already 59 for Brooklyn. They're 36-9, and most wins out of any team in any league. At the moment, and second, tied for second, are the Boston Patriots and the California Ocean Liners, which injuries with both of those teams. See how Maddow plays out, and then after that top three, you just have this big group. Last place is only ten back from fourth place, and fourth you have Grafton, who is the only other team that has a winning record other than the top three. Then you have Phoenix, the Louisville Slugs. Buckhead, Lexington, who is in the relegation zone right now, tied with, both, with the bow ties. Detroit and Columbus all the way down there at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. So the the top three there uh, really seem to be breaking away, um, kind of leaving Grafton in the dust. You've got Brooklyn with 36, Boston and California tied with 31 wins. Um, do you think anyone's going to catch that top three? No, after Grafton traded Ryan Davis, which I think was a pretty even deal both ways, but there's, I don't think Grafton catches him now. They're going to end up being 20 games up on whoever ends up in fourth place. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you look at California, that that rotation is just ridiculous. Um, I think it was the right time to move Ryan Davis, uh, where Grafton can trade him at maximum potential. Uh, they were able to save some money. That contract would have really been a burden uh, because you have a lot of guys coming do it once for them, a lot of talented guys that are aging. Um, Boston, it's just Boston, their offense is firing away the best in the PL. And then you've got Brooklyn's very balanced team. You've got your greatest of all time, Wilcox. Sears is killing it. The addition what a for the defense to be so good. They've only given up 93 runs. It's impressive that start that starting pitching. You've got one point six OERA. Just r- right up and down that rotation: Elliott, Ortega, Ray, Kaufman, Hines. You've got one, one. You got one. You have three guys under uh, two ERA, and then two guys just a hair above two. A total of three losses. Higher starting rotation. Yeah, so they're they're really shutting the door there. Um, shutting the door there right away, and a great defense on top of that, just stri- striking out a lot of guys. Um, Brooklyn doing some great things this season. So, leading us to our next topic, Brooklyn 80, 80 wins. Is that crazy? The, the current PL record is seventy six. Um, with uh, two thousand sixteen, the uh, Boston Patriots won seventy six. Is eighty? Is eight eighty five? Is it possible? I think it's a little bit out of the question. I mean, it's not totally gone, but I think Elliott's going to continue to do what he's doing. But I can't see Ryan Ray holding up with a two point oh eight ERA entire season. Or Hines, he's going to have a little rookie slump eventually. You have to assume. I mean, he might not. He's he's a beast, but I don't think. I think maybe they might break the record. Maybe seventy eight, seventy nine wins. I think eighty to eighty-five is a little, little far-fetched. 
I would agree with that. They're playing an 800 ball right now, so that puts them at, what, 82 wins over the course of the season? 80, just quick math, about 84. Um, and I don't think they're going to keep on that pace. But the one thing that allows you to run off those streaks is your pitching. Um, they have a lot of it. They've got a ton of it. And you wonder if they if they get 10, 15 games up on Boston – uh, Boston, California. If they don't, if they don't start to rest some guys, um, just to make sure they're sharp and to prevent injury going into the the Premier League playoffs. Um, so top of the table, kind of boring, uh, but five through ten, pretty interesting. Bloodbath. You've got to me that breaks into two different sections. You've got Detroit and Columbus. I think are clearly the two worst clubs in the PL. Um, Columbus kind of takes the hit of not having someone um, guiding them. the big question is, will Columbus break New Amsterdam's record? Can they win eight, eight games the rest of the year? <laughs> well, they, they have to get to 28. 28 is, 28 is the, uh, the magic number. 20, 29 is the magic number for the worst PL club ever. Um you know, rising all the way up from the ML, just getting pounded. Um, Detroit has pulled a Houdini act even to stay in the PL, uh, now losing six straight. So I think that they stay at nine and ten. Um, I think Detroit finishes nine and Columbus ten, but eight, seven, six, five there. Uh, that that group, that group of four teams, which uh, my bow ties firmly are placed in that battle. <coughs> um, very interesting. A lot of storylines there. You have some big clubs. We can see Kentucky some... clubs are in that. Phoenix. Actually, they just got a huge sweep. They did. At the top of that whole mess. Because there's Phoenix with 22 wins, and then Louisville, Buckhead, and Lexington all have 19, 18, and 18. And you have... Just to have Lexington and Louisville in... The relegation conversation is pretty shocking, um, especially after Louisville. They blew it up after a couple after their amazing run in 2016, I think it was. And they went from promotion to champions. They did, which was which was an incredible run, probably the most incredible thing that's happened in um, in the PL. And there, Thunder Bay. There were some ex, <laughs> there were some ex, extenuating circumstances there. They exploited the attendance loophole. At the time, to give them a lot of extra cash. They um, made bank, didn't they? Yeah, well, they were averaging 84,000 people a game in the NFL. That's an NFL game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, really glad that loophole is closed, but you can't blame them for exploiting at the time. But we could really see some teams. If, if, my, if, if Buckhead went down, it'd be no big deal. I'm basically running an NSL payroll right now, um, and I'm only getting cheaper. And... If you saw Lexington and Lexington or Louisville go down, it would be the first time we see a massively over budget team go down. Um, be some tough choices for both of those managers. I don't think I don't Lexington. I don't see them going down. I mean, they have they have some good players that are just not performing. I mean, they're old. They're going to go down eventually, but they're just not performing. Andre Dixon's out for seven months. Really hurt. He fractured his skull. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh jeez. Well, he, he's out for seven months. I mean, Kirk Phillips is only hitting two twenty two. 
I mean, the mighty John Hill is only hitting 290. Yeah, it's but... It's probably a career low for him. Yeah, it was probably eight, 800 OBP. 406. Kind of <laughs> close. He has a higher OBP than his smoking average. Yeah. Which John Hill for you. Yeah, but. he's he, he, he is one of a kind. But the, the the problem is, if you if you open yourself up to that relegation, even that series, Detroit... You're losing one series to Columbus. It just screw you over. Absolutely. So that, that's definitely going to be something to watch, and I've said it before, but that's that's the beauty of the USBA is I can watch every sim, and I feel like I'm in a championship race. If I finish seventh, it's going to feel like winning a championship. And you've got, I think Grafton's solidly mid-table. I don't know if they can do anything to change that or even if they should do anything to change that. Um, but you've got your top three that are going to play for uh, the grand championship, and then you've got five through ten that are playing for their life. Even Columbus, if they win two more games, now they're in the coin flip, and they could find themselves back in the Premier League next year. Um, it should be crazy. Surviving. It's, it up. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's possible. Um, so you have nine out of ten teams with something to watch and play for every day, uh, which is uh, which is pretty cool. So as we wrap up uh, episode two here, as an outside observer of the PL, what is uh, what is your prediction? Um, what is your prediction? Top three is boring. Uh, what's your relegation prediction? Eh, I think it's gonna end up exactly how it is now. With I think that something I think Lexington and you are gonna be tied at the end of the year for that eighth spot. You're gonna have to go through a one game playoff and then the coin flip series, and the relegation series. That'd be I think Phoenix stays mid table. I think Louisville barely gets out of it, but I think it's going to be tight all the way down. Those series between you and Lexington are going to be huge. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to be very important. A lot of it's going to come down to health. Um, I've had a huge rash of position player injuries. Finally back to full strength starting next sim, um, and hopefully I can lift myself out of that. Uh, but I could definitely see all those things happening. Looking at your schedule, you have a tough last month. You have you have Detroit, Lexington, and then Columbus. Then the the five day championship cup week, and then following that you have Brooklyn, Grafton, Phoenix, and California, all at home. Not the way not the way you want to end the season. Even my my next after the cup games tomorrow, um, having Brooklyn and Boston back to back is tough. You know, realistic. It could be good though. Realis- I mean, realistically, like, even if I win one of those games, almost I'm happy. <laughs> and getting Brooklyn and California at the end of the year, everything could be wrapped up by then, and they could just be thrown out, trying not to get hurt, throwing out minor league guys, etc. It's possible. It's possible. Wouldn't, wouldn't anything's possible. <laughs> that's exactly right. Wouldn't be mad about it. Well, TJ, thank you for joining me. Appreciate everyone listening to episode two of FPRL. Stay tuned next month for edition number three in the uh, the, the pennant chase edition. Yeah, we're going to be in the heat of it next month. We sure are. Thank you for tuning in. Just